In 2017, the British newspaper The Guardian made a short virtual reality film to help people get inside an autistic person's head. The film is shot in full 360 from the point of view of the main character, Layla, an autistic girl at her mother's birthday party. If you wear VR goggles and watch the film, you see and hear everything from Layla's perspective, inner monologue and all. Parties are my worst nightmare. Oh, my headphones! Dad! Everything sounds everywhere now. People will think that you don't want to talk to them. People would be correct. It's only 180 minutes of your life. Sounds now mixing together, spilling out, spilling in, all around me. Tangled, tinny tumbleweed. Here comes the invasion. In the story, Leela, like many with autism, has altered sensory processing. She's hypersensitive to loud sounds, and overwhelmed by the party's cacophony, she experiences an episode of sensory overload. Cutlery avalanche! Make it go away. Focus on something. This episode, Autism and VR, how virtual reality and augmented reality can help us understand someone else's sensory world. You're listening to Spectrum Stories, the podcast from Spectrum, the leading source for news and opinion on autism research. I'm Ben Kiebrick. Today, we'll hear about virtual reality projects designed to simulate certain sensory differences reported in autism, and we'll hear about research into sensory processing in autism as well. These projects are fairly new, but researchers have been using VR to conduct experiments about autism and in therapies since the mid-1990s. Owen Parsons was a scientific consultant for that VR film. Parsons studies visual perception in autism at the Autism Research Center in Cambridge, and when we spoke, he was just finishing up his PhD. My PhD focused on perception, so sort of visual perception mainly in autism, and I was very interested in the sort of role of expectation, so how your previous experience of what you see in the environment affects what you actually perceive. Perception, I guess, is just processing sensory information from the external world. The way vision is thought to function is a kind of interaction between the limited sensory information and a lot of sort of filling in. The brain is predicting what it expects to see and filling in the gaps. For example, humans have a blind spot. There's a place in the back of the retina where the optic nerve connects that doesn't detect any light. But we don't see a black hole in our vision. What's happening is that you're filling in that gap. Because our perception isn't just created by the input from our retina, it's constructed by our brain. So we fill in that gap by taking information from what was in the area right around the blind spot, or what was there the last time we looked at it. And it's not just with the blind spot that we're doing this. We're doing it with everything all the time. Our senses give us imperfect information, and we use our predictions about the world to make sense of it. Within vision, there's sort of very basic uh, shape detection, and um, as you go up and up uh, in the different layers, you get more and more complicated processes. And at each step, uh, the brain is trying to predict, based on the layer below, what it expects to see. And it's just a way that the brain has evolved to sort of speed up processing information. Sometimes it's incorrect. It's sort of a constant hypothesis testing. I don't know if you've ever had a cat or live with a cat, but if you have a cat and you're walking around in the dark, you will suddenly jump and think you're about to step on the cat when it's just, you know, something that doesn't really look anything like a cat. As soon as sort of you get more information and you suddenly realize, oh, look, there's a collar or there's a button, your brain will be sort of 
processing this thinking, okay, cats don't have buttons. This probably isn't a cat. And then you, you sort of feed back with this prediction error and then correct what you're seeing. And you suddenly realize it's a shirt and not a cat. So what does this have to do with autism? Parsons says that everyone is taking the information their senses give them and their expectations about the world and they're combining them. But autistic people might be doing it slightly differently. This process, this sort of um, predictive coding process might be slightly different in autism in that uh, they are biased towards using the sensory information more than the expectation compared to people without autism. This isn't necessarily something that autistic people have a difficulty with. This is just a different style in how information is processed. There are some situations where it could be advantageous. Um, so, you know, there's, there's no sort of um, uh, correct way of processing information. However, that said, it can uh, lead to difficulties in, in situations. Like in the VR film from the start of the show where the main character, Layla, experiences sensory overload. If you are processing more information, more sensory information, without uh, sort of utilizing your your prior beliefs, your expectations, uh, that information could be experienced as sort of slightly overwhelming in certain situations. And this would be especially true with sounds and noises that are already hard to predict, which might help explain why some autistic people prefer routines and highly predictable situations. Parsons says that it's hard to ever really know how a person perceives the world, and even harder to generalize across a heterogeneous condition like autism. You need to think quite carefully when you are converting findings and trying to interpret them to paint a picture of how people experience the world in everyday life. But VR technology gives us a new way to try to experience the world the way someone else does. When the film came out, I was on Twitter scrolling through, and one comment that came up a lot of times was, Autistic people saying, this film is great, now I have something that I could show to my non-autistic friends to try and explain how it feels. Yuki Nagai is a professor of engineering at Osaka University. She's also using virtual reality to try to stimulate some of the experiences of people with autism. Nagai's lab has created an augmented reality heads-up display using a camera and headset. Instead of placing you in a virtual world, the system modifies how you perceive the world around you. We attached a USB camera, so you can see the world through this USB camera. So by wearing this hat-mount displays, the typical developed persons who do not have atypical perceptions can experience the difficulties in their autism visual perception. Much like the Guardian's VR film, the guy's head mount display tries to simulate the altered perceptions that some autistic people report. People with autism often see the world with very high contrast and with noises in the audio and the visual and also the tactile sensations. For example, when they go outside, they see the world in a, like a white out situation. If you go to the ski field, you need the goggles to protect your eyes from their very strong sunshine. And their people with autism have such a problem, even in a daily life. In addition to perceiving the world as overly bright, autistic people may experience what's known as visual snow, flickering dots that overlay the entire visual field, 
that people often describe as resembling static on a TV. For example, they see their colorful dots in the air, floating in the air. And sometimes they don't have any color. But some other people say that they have some color, like a blue and yellows. Auditory perception can be altered as well, with autistic people reporting that they hear constant white noise or tinnitus. Tinnitus is a ringing of the ears that many people experience briefly after they hear a loud noise. Many autistic people report that they hear it constantly, even in quiet situations. But loud noises can amplify this tinnitus and also affect their vision. The sound signal also causes there are more noises in the visual perception. Hmm. When people with ASD goes to the very noisy sound situations, they see stronger noises in the vision. And the guy's augmented reality head mount display attempts to simulate all of these experiences. She says that when she wears the headset, she can start to understand why autistic people might avoid social situations. I feel very, very tired. That's the most strong inflation of this head mount display. And I really feel that I want to be alone because if I meet someone by, while wearing their gogo, I often see the very strong noises in the vision because the person never stops talking and moving. So this produces a lot of noises in their visual perception. If I go to the very quiet room and then sit by myself and do nothing, no motion, no sound, their all noises disappear. So we can imagine why the people with ASD like to stay at home and don't go outside. It's not just because of the social difficulties, but because of their atypical hypersensitivities in their perception. Nagai's headset is designed to help neurotypical people better understand the experience of people with autism. We organize a kind of monthly workshop in which we invite their people with SD child or perhaps persons who take care of the SD children in the hospital. They have a lot of questions about their behaviors. For example, the children with autism start getting panicked in the crowd situations, or sometimes they start shouting. By wearing their head-mount displays, their persons can put themselves into the shoes of the ASD children, and then they can better imagine why their children with ASD have difficulties in going outside or have difficulties in communicating with other people. That's why we designed this head-mount display simulator. A lot of research on autism has ignored perception and focused on behavior because behavior is what researchers can easily observe from the outside. Perception is harder to study. But in Japan, a new field of research is becoming popular where autistic researchers study themselves. It's called tojisha kenkyu. Tojisha means something like the people directly involved with an issue, and kenkyu means research. So tojisha kenkyu means something like research by those directly involved. Tojisha is a Japanese word, and actually there is no corresponding English term yet, because this is still a very new research area. And the guy says the Tojisha Kenkyu researchers she collaborates with emphasize the importance of sensory issues. She says a better understanding of how people with autism perceive the world may make caregivers more empathetic and help focus research, and it also might help us shape the world to make it more accommodating for people with autism and others with sensory hypersensitivities.
Architects and city planners understand how to make buildings accessible to people with physical disabilities, but they don't yet understand perceptual problems like sensory hypersensitivity. By providing our head-mount display simulators to people working in their architecture company, we wanted uh, them better understand their difficulties in ASD and also to think about their future design of the environment. Actually, there are some supermarkets in UK where there, they uh, have their special hour during which they completely shut down their uh, light and also stop the music. And uh, we also want to introduce such an ideas into Japanese supermarket and also the Japanese public buildings. I don't think many of us realize how hard it can be for autistic people to navigate the world. But the more we think about it, and the more we experience it, the easier it's going to be for us to make the world more accommodating. That's it for this episode of Spectrum Stories. Thanks to George Musser. This story was based on his reporting. You can read his new feature at spectrumnews.org. It's called How Virtual Reality Could Transform Autism Studies. There you'll find a link to the full VR film, The Party, and you'll learn more about the use of virtual reality in autism research. Thanks for listening.